We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Wednesday afternoon. It's August 23rd and Kyle, I'm excited to be back doing some pods. I think it's been like three, four weeks since we've done an episode. Uh, I think a break was nice and necessarily and I don't think anything was really, anything happened. New Jersey's schedule. I don't don't want to do podcasts on this anyways. So we're going to focus on this because the World Cup is coming. There's been games going on. Uh, They officially begin this weekend. You might be thinking like, what? It's just starting this weekend. I've seen all these. (laughs) Everyone's talking about Anthony Edwards. Those were exhibition games before the World Cup. It actually starts like in earnest uh, this weekend. So, I mean, Kyle, we've been texting about this a lot. I think we've, I've, I've hit the point where I'm bored and I want to start like, watching basketball again i feel like fiba's cool all of a sudden like this is the i kind of watched like last year with Eurobasket, but maybe you can give a sales pitch to people of why they should be watching the world cup here and what you've kind of enjoyed about watching these exhibition games oh i mean the sales pitch is that it's august 23rd <laughs> and if we don't talk about fiba we're going to talk about either a shirtless Jaden mcdaniels in some high school gym down in Southern California, or we're going to talk about Rudy Gobert playing flip cup and shooting three pointers for FIBA. So, or in, for his national team. So it is cool, right? Like you, you forget how I know I was thinking back, I don't know how many years ago it was, but like the Kevin love for Andrew Wiggins trade kind of came in like September. And like, yeah. that was awesome from a content standpoint, even though I don't, I don't even know if I was covering the team then. So this is really dry. It's jerseys. It's one on zero workout videos. It's who unfollowed who at butt crack sports. Like it's all that type of stuff. So uh, real basketball. And I think after getting like a nice, you know, mozzarella sticks of exhibition games, you're like, okay, I'm actually hungry for like real basketball. Mm-hmm. And to answer your actual question, I think FIBA basketball is better than the NBA. Like that's, that's how I like watching basketball. Like it's physical. Uh, you know, what's funny that we never think of. Why do the NBA, why does the NBA have so many timeouts? Like if, if, yeah. if Chris Finch has to use a timeout with 430 left in the third or he's going to lose it, maybe we shouldn't give him that extra timeout. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like let's have less stoppages, 
more physicality, a up, you know, quicker paced game. I just think the FIBA basketball is like real basketball. So it's been really fun. And then you parlay it back into the Minnesota Timberwolves and you're like, they have what? I think five guys that'll be playing in it. The second most behind, I think, OKC. Uh, so you have, seven, I mean, seven, if you include, so right. Garza was playing, has been playing in mm-hmm. kind of this time when the exhibition games were going on for Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, they're not in the world cup, which is now going to start this weekend. Uh, also Mateo Spagnolo will be in the, Ooh. in the world cup, the Wolves second round pick a couple years ago. Um, but then, yeah, it's Anthony Edwards for team USA, Carl Anthony Towns for the Dominican, uh, Rudy Gobert for France, Kyle Anderson for China. And Nikhil Alexander Walker for Canada. I've been watching a lot of this. I think it's you know been fun to watch, and like the games are on at like eight a.m. So I just watch them like once I wake up. And right. I've cut up a bunch of clips just to kind of highlight some things from you know what has stood out from Cat or Rudy or whoever it might be. And we're just going to kind of run through those on on this episode. This episode is on YouTube, so if you do want to watch on YouTube, they're like we're actually going to put up clips on the screen and stuff. And if you're just listening, you know, via podcast, hopefully this it'll still make sense. Like <laughs> picture us watching clips uh, on the screen and talking about. It. I think it'll work uh, both ways. But if you do want to watch this on YouTube, uh, YouTube.com/slash at Dane Moore NBA. If you just Go to YouTube and search my name. Uh, you should be able to find it. All the hit subscribe, all those sort of things. We're going to be doing pretty much every episode uh, also on YouTube this season. How did I do, Kyle? Did I promote the YouTube page well? I mean, we did a really good job. We created that YouTube page out in Vegas, uh, hungover, without really any Wi-Fi. We posted the Chris Finch interview that had a wonderful background at the Blue Wire Studios at the yeah. Win. Now, Dane and I are just back where we live with tan walls. And a couple oh, yeah. plants and mirrors that our girlfriends or wives planted. But uh, no, I, I think it's cool. I, I've been bugging you. I've learned a lot about all of this kind of doing over at Score North. So Phil Mackey's been really helpful too. But uh, just YouTube is kind of the future too. And I think as you and I are old, in a sense, like you've gotten really comfortable with some of the cool things you can do with video and stuff. So if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, the goal for us this next season is for that to continue to be the same. If that's how you, you know, commuting working, whatever that's, we're going to keep that product the same, but we're also just going to add in YouTube. And, you know, if you want to prefer to watch us or watch Dane do clips, uh, it's going to be really fun. So, and we also, I think he's somewhere behind the scenes, but like Cooper Carlson, who people know from Wolf Twitter, there he is. Hello. Uh, Cooper Carlson is kind of our uh, nephew, Kyle now. So we'll be bringing Coop on. He's going to be doing a lot of editing and video stuff. But, uh, I just think again, as Dane's always said, like this podcast is growing and we appreciate everyone who supports us or supports the people that support us like the sponsors so uh yeah youtube apple spotify it is really important to subscribe review give us feedback you know dane has an email comments right man yeah comments we're gonna be able to interact with people more we're gonna be able to go live after some big events uh like i always think back to when ryan saunders was fired on that sunday night in new york like that would have been a great let's go live and let's just be drunk and talk about it so it's going to be a fun season and we're kind of kicking it off now, but give us some patience because Dane and I don't have a bleeping clue what we're doing. And that's why we hired Coop. And that was Coop. Coop, you're on Twitter at Coop Carlson, I think. And he yep. runs the Timberwolves daily uh, YouTube page. So make sure to check out Coop over there too. He'll be helping us out here on the back end uh, throughout the season. Uh, okay. That's like FIBA. 
yes, let's let's get into it. Uh, we got to start with Anthony Edwards. Um, honestly, Kyle, I, I didn't come into this FIBA play like thinking Ant was going to be like the Wolves player that I was most interested to watch. Like my experience watching Team USA is I feel like the teams are so good that there's like this overlap and you don't you know, you kind of see like, oh, that's what so-and-so would look like if they were a role player, right? Because everyone's kind of ends up being a role player on on that team. And so I, I come into this like really interested to see Nikhil Alexander-Walker kind of take a bigger role or uh, Luca Garza do things he hasn't been asked to do before. But what's stood out to me about Ant is he's in a bigger role, arguably, on Team USA than he is for the Wolves, and that has led to, I don't know, I mean, kind of seeing him stand out in, in, in a different sort of way. Obviously, he's kind of been the talk of the basketball world this week. I got some clips to get into that won't maybe be the highlight, but just some things that I think are are different that stood out to me. But what's kind of stood out to you most uh, about Ant? I think you described that perfectly. Because when, and this is just, again, how deep the league is, how deep, you know, United States basketball continues to be since they kind of had that stumble years ago. Uh, but yeah, when you put the Team USA together, it's always a bunch of guys that almost have to kind of like take a step back from how they play, right? Kind of to embrace the team philosophy. Uh, and then when you watch guys go to their, you know, their other countries across like in Europe or South America or whatever, those guys are usually on teams that don't have a lot of other NBA talent. So their kind of player profile, their stock goes up while the Team USA guys go down. So, I mean, yeah, Rudy Gobert, like he, as we're going to get into, like he's an emphasized part of that offense, right? And Nikhil Alexander is like, you know, Chris Paul for Canada. Uh, so you didn't really think that any of the NBA or Team USA guys would do that. And then Anthony Edwards just immediately, I don't even like using the term all the time, alpha, but just completely alpha everyone else on his team, a team full of guys that, just signed max contracts or are franchise guys for the Pacers or the Magic or the Knicks. And it's like, no, no, no. This quickly in a couple of weeks of exhibition games became Anthony Edwards' team. And so I, I tried to like find some clips that I thought like highlighted that. And in watching that Germany game, which I think a lot of people saw, or maybe you just like saw some of the highlight clips afterwards. You saw like the MJ baseline fadeaway and, and those sort of things. But I thought what stood out most to me was Ant's taking over of of the lead role mm -hmm. and also his teammates' willingness to kind of give him that, particularly particularly in the, the Germany game. And I thought it really started here. We're like, it's the fourth quarter. They're losing to Germany. They come into the, the fourth quarter. I think they're down seven. They get a couple minutes into the fourth. And, like, Ant just recognizes it. Like, you can tell right here he's just like, all right, elbow post up i am going at this guy and i'm getting to the line like exactly what they needed and he goes to the line he hits both free throws and then what i thought was like super meaningful is he's guarding franz wagner here too this is the very next possession like that whole fourth quarter ants taken over but he's also guarding wagner and this play again very possession after he just goes to the basket gets those free throws he's on wagner switches here and this rebound like that's just 
a lot of want to there, right? Like, unfortunately, kind of rolls his ankle here. That's a, that's the exact point where I was like, it's so yep. cool that Ant's on Team USA, and then I was like, immediately cancel the tournament because that man <laughs> is holding his ankle. Like this moment right no, here right. was like, oh, cool. All right, twenty and sixty-two. Here we go. <laughs> um. So I I like after that, right? He that's when you know we thought I was like, okay, rolls ankle, like game's over. He's he's going to be done, but. Then he just went into this sort of takeover mode. It's 80 to 86. Uh, the U.S. is down. And these are the, like, back-to-back here are just these, those two kind of, like, dagger threes you hit. And I, everyone kind of saw this, you know, seeing the highlights or whatever. But that's a it's, big hit. It's a good point you bring up, though, because we're, we've watched every single moment of Ant, mm-hmm. as everyone listening to this has. Pause it right here. Yep. Uh, and we've known that in the past, because for all the stuff that we're all, like, or at least me and a lot of my friends are petty about like comparing him to Jordan Crawford or Dion waiters coming up or saying that he didn't love the game. There were some aspects of him that were still like kind of a child or a young, young player. And when he would get injured, think of all the times that he would like immediately sub out or like call for a sub out, you know, like, cause he didn't even like know that. how to handle an injury. And this, I know people might think I'm grasping at straws, but this was like a moment. It's like, okay, he, he did hurt himself to some level, even just a rolled ankle. And instead of being like, I need out or like, I don't know how to react to this. He just literally did what we all do at the gym and tightened up his shoes and then came down and went big three. And then this one that you're showing on the screen, oh, where he just yeah. kind of runs into transition. I mean, I felt, I felt like Jane McDaniels here. Cause I just kept growing. Like I, this is, that's big league stuff right there. Uh, to hit those two threes, they went to a timeout after that, I think. And he went crazy. And then, yeah, just all the basketball stuff, Dane, you need to talk about and you need to educate people on. But it's also just like you've got Tyrese Halliburton out there, Bobby Portis, who's one ring, Austin Reeves. Like these guys are like, dude, save us. Right. Right. Like take, take, we need you to get us a bucket here. And to watch them all kind of become role players for this kid was, that was the coolest part about that Germany game. Yeah. I, I thought, so like, this is literally just in sequence, the clips I'm, I'm showing here. It's the three, it's the three. And then I was watching it back and I'm just watching every offensive possession and the U.S. doesn't score like ants hit these two threes in a row, and so they start like they start trying to get the ball out of his hands, right? And I just feel like through this entire fourth quarter, Ant didn't make a mistake, right? Okay, so <laughs> yeah, put two on the ball here, right? Like, what do you do? You just like got to get off of that. This doesn't lead to a bucket, but like that's Mikael Bridges. That's a forty-five percent corner three-point shooter right there. That's a that's a great possession by Ant. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. Here he's got Schroeder on him. He's like. All right, like this, I can take this into the post. But I love that the double comes right here and gets off, like gets off of it again. Doesn't lead to a bucket swing. There's bridges in the corner Great again. Look. You know, he, he misses it, but that's a clean corner three that Ant creates there. And then this, I think this is the possession. This one might have been my favorite. Like this, you know, he's walled off there, pops back out, gets it again, walled off again, and that pass right there. Like, I'm gonna go back, like. That's Carl in the corner. I exactly. That's what I'm thinking about. I mean, Bobby Portis and he cranks it off the side of the backboard here. <laughs> but like that is I just think Ant kind of played a perfect, just a perfect fourth quarter there in the, in that game. And it was in a way that one, it wasn't just on offense. He's guarding Wagner on the other side of the floor. Clearly, like Germany's best player of their offensive hub. And then he's creating for his teammates. And it was kind of like all things we've seen Ant do, right? Like we've seen Ant lock up in the fourth quarter, guard the best player. 
We've seen him be a good playmaker. We've seen him make big shots. We haven't seen him do those things in tandem. And I don't think we've ever seen him do that for an entire fourth quarter. And like, yes, is they weren't playing the Golden State Warriors, but that's like a legitimate, it's a legitimate FIBA team. They have a handful of NBA players, Schroeder, both the Wagners, uh, Daniel Tice, Isak Manga, like a, a bunch of like, a solid FIBA team. And I I just think that that matters. And it's another hint at this idea that Ant, what you've been hearing from people, like Ant's dialed in. And yeah, yeah. it is this style of play is the style of play. I think he intends to play in that he's not going to be deferential anymore. Like part of it is his playmaking. Like he's still going to get other guys going. I'm not saying Carl's not going to score Rudy, whoever, but I was like, all right, I can picture what this looks like with amp being the dude and scoring when needed, defending when needed, getting big rebounds when needed. And also finding other guys. It was really for me in my head, a pretty big, you know, turning point in terms of what I am anticipating coming. You know what's kind of crazy about that last clip you showed too is that I'm, I'm probably reaching a little bit, but there's like a, a thin line you can draw to some of these rotations that Ant, these five-man lineups that Ant's a part of under Steve Kerr for Team USA that are kind of like, if I squint, that could be the Timberwolves. Like you have Rudy in like the Jaron Jackson Jr. role, which obviously Jaron Jackson is a little more of a threat from three. Although this summer has been big for Rudy Gobert and his uh, three-point shot. But then, like, Carl could be, at times, a Bobby Portis. Or, at times, he could kind of be a Brandon Ingram. Obviously, we comparison, yeah. but, like, the ability to drive, the ability to create his own shot. And then, I mean, Mikel Bridges is just Jade McDaniels. Uh, and then, if you put Austin Reeves or maybe a Jalen Brunson next to Ant, like, that's kind of the Mike Conley thing. So, you're also seeing it kind of translate back to your that point of, sense. like, yeah. he's, he's deferring less. And I think, and we can keep going on Ant, but to me, it opens a big... I mean, keep going, keep talking X's and O's, keep talking no, no, strategy, I, but it, it I, opens up to me what I think is probably the biggest dynamic for the actual Timberwolves for 2023, 2024. I wonder how much of their success next season is about basketball and how much of it is just personalities. Like if Anthony Edwards wins a gold medal and we, the tournament hasn't started yet, but if he wins a gold medal, He's you go Pat Riley and you walk into the locker room and you throw you throw it on the on the table and you just say, like, this is my team. Like, I am the captain now. And getting guys like Rudy Gobert, because I know we're gonna get into a clip that drove me absolutely crazy, but like no more post-ups for Rudy. You just need to be what Jaron Jackson is for for Ant. Like block shots, he'll find you. We'll make sure that he finds you. He's showing he's he can pass out of the double now. He's finding guys a little more, still a lot of room for growth there, but a lot of this just needs to be what how the season ended at the post media day thing, like, Hey, you know, everything we do moving forwards about Ant, he's showing you this summer now that that has to be true. Not just could yeah. be true. And first meeting of training camp, it's like, Hey, listen, everyone, this is Ant's team. We still have a ton of talent. Carl, you can be an awesome, awesome second banana. But like some of these guys, it's like Rudy, no more spinning, you know, hooks, just find Ant. He'll make the right play. And he's showing you doing that at a really high level for team USA. Yeah, and I think, and we're going to get into Cat Max and Rudy after that. Like, I think there's ways in which, when I'm watching Cat have the opportunity to do more things for the Dominican, that I think that would be a great 
accommodation to what Ant's doing. I think some of the things and the style in which France plays that we'll get into uh, with Rudy, like I think you could have more of that. So Rudy is more naturally in the flow and structure of, of the offense. Like, I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't need to be and or. And Ant can take on a bigger role while Carl can take on a more effective role and Rudy can take on a more effective role too. Like these things, I mean, that's the goal, right? That they can happen in tandem while Ant uh, finds another level to to sort of level up to. Uh, Kyle, let's grab our kind of first break here. we do this live. I wanted to uh, start uh, by announcing we're going to be partnering with Falling Knife again this year and on September 7th. So coming up pretty quick, uh, myself and Craig Kilborn mm. are going to do a live show at uh, at Falling Knife September 7th. We're going to do the live show at 6. September 7th is the like NFL season kickoff it's Thursday night football game. It's the Chiefs Lions, I believe. So we'll do a live show for, you know, kind of like 45, 60 minutes right there. And then people can hang out. I'll hang out um, afterwards to watch that uh, that NFL game at the brewery. So put that on your calendar, uh, 6 p.m. September 7th. Myself, Craig Kilborn's in town. I mean, I, I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about, but it's going to be uh, it'll be fun uh, to be there and kind of get us started uh, on the season as things are going to kind of start ramping up here pretty quick. We're trying to ramp things up uh, with the show as well. We're looking, uh, Falling Knife is going to be a sponsor this year. We're in the process of looking for new sponsors for the season. If um, you have a company or product or a brand that you are interested in partnering with us on, um, you can reach out to Dane Moore Productions at gmail.com a lot of different things we can do uh, particularly now with the youtube channel too to uh, you know amplify the brand we love uh the companies that we've had we worked with last season and i think it's can kind of be one of those uh, mutually beneficial things um that you know makes sense for us but also helps your brewery your restaurant or whatever it might be so again that's Moore productions at gmail.com kyle do you want to do your bit now or oh no I, i'll save that for a little bit but i back to falling knife just this will be more streamlined as we get into the actual season right like we're not going to be you know shouting out or asking for ads and stuff but it's kind of our new fiscal year for dane and i as we start this all up again so a little bit behind i mean some people like to know how the sausage is made and stuff but it'll be more clean cut moving forward but falling knife again has been awesome they've been really gracious to us in terms of like hosting live events i think that's another thing you and i want to do even more this season is just finding different ways to interact with the people that uh, if you yeah. see us grow and take steps to build this into a real company, it's because the people that listen to this. So for sure. I always just want to shout them out. Uh, and I'm excited for you and Craig to do one. Uh, I think we'll probably have another, you know, ma major event in October mm -hmm. that we can kind of get a lot of fans to uh, and just have a lot of cool guests, talk basketball, have merch, do all that stuff. So yeah, September 7th, that's a good way to kind of kick off football. Craig will definitely have some Vikings thoughts, so just get ready for that. But uh, Craig Kilborn, who is reoccurring guest over at uh, Flagrant House, he's awesome, and he's really, really into the Wolves. Oh, yeah. Like, just texting late at night on a West Coast game about his thoughts. So mm -hmm. if you haven't heard Craig before, he's not just a celebrity. Like, he is a diehard Wolves fan. So oh. go check it out at, uh, at Falling Knife on September 7th. I'm, I'm going to be sad to miss it, but it's going to be an awesome time. For sure. Um, all right, let's uh, move over to 
Carl Anthony Towns, um, watching him play for the Dominican, like the first thing that stood out to me was the dude was just like ready to fire. And so sick. (laughs) I mean, this is just literally, it's like the first second possession of the game. And he just pulls up from 80 feet hits it. I mean, he, it just got, I mean, we're just going to kind of, these are all his sort of possessions here from uh, the first half of the game against Canada and just, he caught it on the perimeter, no hesitation, looking to fire. And Kyle, it just reminded me so much of that first full Saunders Rosa's season where Cat shot eight threes a game and there wasn't that hesitation. There was more of that perimeter orientation. And I just think this is the way in which Carl can show out more what without necessarily like upping his touches, like still have the off the bounce game, like we've shown right there, getting to the basket, but more of a perimeter orientation with more of a willingness to fire. I mean, that's a real, real weapon uh, next to Ant. Yeah. And one of the things you have to point out on these clips you're showing, he's the biggest guy on the floor, right? Most of the time for either team, but definitely for the Dominican, mm-hmm. the Dominican is one of those teams that I would say like, I'm not very familiar with a lot of other guys' games, but not a lot of other NBA guys. So he is kind of the focal point, but he's doing exactly what we've always said, right? Like if you are this one right here, this is silly. Think that looks like, and people are going to lose their minds. That just looked like a Steph Curry shot, right? Where he's leaning to his left and kind of throws it out with his right hand. Um, But this is what you want, right? Like as, as this becomes a little more congested in the middle, because again, the Dominican Republic doesn't have a seven foot two French guy on the team. Uh, you're going to need him to space the floor more. And if if you claim to be the best at something, just lean into it. Right. And I think that's been a gripe. And in Carl's defense, I think he was the number one guy to start last season that was trying to make the Rudy thing work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why his assist numbers were a little up. And he's trying to acclimate Rudy more. To you know, and I think that's good. I think he should be commended for that. But that doesn't need to be his job anymore. That's why you bring in all these other vets like Mike Conley, Kyle Anderson, all these Even guys. Like just Mike is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's huge. Yeah, J- our friend Jake Painting, who does a really good job with Howls and Growls, did a YouTube video this week about Mike Conley and just his connection with Rudy Gobert, and it reminded me of like, okay, you know what? Mike's the old vet. Mike, you're in charge of you. Basically, manage Rudy. Like he, <laughs> you're his supervisor. You take care of him when he calls for the ball. Go yell at him. If he wants to punch someone, let it be you. Like, let Carl just be, you know, a fringe all-NBA guy. And that's what some of those threes are. Now, some of the shot selection is a little wacky, but to me, I'm I'm actually, in an exhibition game, I'm more amped that he's taking them. Right? I mean, I, I don't even care about it being exhibition game, right? Like, here, okay, so here, that's that 2019-20 season. I got the stats up here on, on the video. Like, Carl shot almost eight threes a game in that 2019-20 season, made 41.2% of them. Like, that, I mean, the, his only other year he shot better was that Tibbs and Jimmy year. He only shot three and a half a game. He shot 42% that year. That, he hasn't come anywhere near approaching that eight threes a game that he had four seasons ago. That that doesn't need to be the case. It shouldn't be the case. And it this should tell us, that he should be taking more difficult shots. There's a reason I left in the clips of the threes that he missed on there. Like, I'm cool with taking those. Let's take some more difficult ones. The 
if he's shooting well over 40%, what that means is shoot more. It means you're a great shooter. It also means you're not shooting enough of them. And I was like, all right, so even in that 2019-20 season when he shot nearly eight a game, I mean, look at it. What He wasn't even one of the highest volume three-point shooters in the NBA. Like he was 17th, like shooting 7.9 three-point attempts per game. Like that's got to be the floor, particularly given how the team around him has changed with, with Ant and Conley and the ability, the positions they're going to put him in to shoot here. Like I put this graphic up here to say like eight isn't even a crazy number for him to be shooting. Like, he shot 5.7 last year that, that it's gotta be two, three more than that, uh, a game this year. And there's no reason, there's no reason it shouldn't be. That graphic is pretty cool too, that you had up there from basketball reference, because basically it was just like a linear, if Carl shoots 40%, he yeah. then becomes an all-star, right? Right. Obviously 2019, 2020 is different COVID, yeah. but every other one of those years, it's like, if you just shoot, and again, now the three-point attempts are a little down. But like, if you can just shoot 40%, mm-hmm. that is going to elevate your stock and your view around the league and the production of this team. So that's a really cool graphic. And it just reminds me, and then the one you showed as well, like, it's not that hard, right, in modern 2023 basketball to get eight three-pointers up a game. No. If you're playing north of 30 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And you're on a team that has a couple guys that just aren't three-point shooters. And Rudy and Kyle and, you know, even like Nikhil to a little bit. So... Well, that's what I was thinking when I showed those ant clips after he hits those two big threes and then they start putting two on the ball on him when they're just running pick and roll at the top. Like teams are going to do that all the time to ant this year. We saw it last year. It's only going to start happening more. And ant is developing in his ability to read off of that, get off the ball when he when two guys are on him that, you know, 35 feet from the basket. Like that's either directly a cat on the pop looking to be fired, looking to fire like he did in the, those Dominican clips, or that's that swing, swing to the corner. And you got Troy Brown in the corner who's wide open and he's going to be able to make 40% of those from the corner. Like they're given the gravity that Ant is going to demand here. There is going to be ample three point opportunities on this team. There aren't a lot of good three point shooters on this team. I mean, obviously you have cat and Conley, who are very good three-point shooters. But beyond that, like, we don't know if Jaden's going to shoot 40% from three. I think he shot 39-something last year. Like, there aren't a ton of other guys you can rely on to shoot threes. So that means you need to rely more on Carl to do that. I just think it's there's a crazy opportunity here for Carl to put in the most impressive three-point shooting season for a big man, like, in NBA history. And while clearly being the second best player on the team, like, I think that is, that is totally uh, in play this season. I think I was the most nervous about him playing FIBA because I knew he had the least amount of like NBA talent around him, mm-hmm. excluding Luca Garza. Cause I don't, well, actually Luca Garza plays with like Nurkic. So he has a, John on Musa. You remember him from the Nets a couple years ago? Like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but for Carl, like he's kind of on an Island no pun intended by himself over there, but we really haven't seen, I mean, he had so few games mm-hmm. after coming back from that injury. Like we just didn't get to really see it. And again, I don't know if that's exactly how he's going to play for his NBA team this next season, but just also like watching him move. He looks like he's moving pre serious calf injury. 
Uh, and that's big because we don't, we, we don't really know, right? Like we don't really know what to expect. Tra- training camp is, I think training camp is like maybe less than a month from now because mm-hmm. the wolves have to start their season a little earlier with their whole kind of foreign trip for, for preseason. So he looks very spry and you can make a case, even though I know we went crazy about Ant and what we're going to talk about Rudy. Like I think watching Carl play FIBA is the most important wolves player because right. I wanted to see like, do you still got it? Like, are you trying to do too many things? Now there are some negatives that I think we should talk about that Carl also the displayed. The answer to does he still got it as a yes. volume three point shooter is yes. Yes. Or that's what that's showing. That's I don't big. know why I anticipated that to not be the case. 27, like he's not on the down curve of that. And physically, like there's just as many interesting highlights from this of him taking guys off the dribble and getting to the basket and doing so at a lot quicker pace than he was doing once he came back from the calf last year. So I think like the ideal season for Carl is the Pat Bev year. He had the like a lot of like pump and go to the basket, like keep that in the bag while also trying to find that three point volume he had in the Saunders year in 2019, 20, like the opportunity for that is, is absolutely going to be there. And then yes, there's what, what is just, what are just your thoughts on the, the ejection? I know that's kind of like the Debbie downer of this, but if we're highlighting all the positives, like we do need to acknowledge what he looked like and getting ejected from, from that game. What were just your, your thoughts when you saw the sound going here to to close, to close the good. Yeah. They also beat the Dominican Republic or uh, they also beat Canada. Canada. Yeah. And that's like, Canada is a good team. I know they're missing a couple of guys Mm -hmm. like Jamal Murray and stuff, but that's a good team full of NBA players. Shea, they should not have won that game. And Carl kind of old school wolves, right. was just like, me and a bunch of Ramon sessions and I beat Canada. So he should be yeah. commended for that because again, Absolutely. this goes, this goes back to a much broader topic that we'll be talking about probably for the next 12 months. It's like, Hey, you know what? Maybe that all world shooting seven foot power forward slash center. Maybe we don't salary dump them. Right. Just because everyone else has no money. Like maybe you don't just get rid of them. Like that's an asset that if used correctly and molded to fit the head of the snake, which is Anthony Edwards, that's, that's a that's a dynamic weapon, especially as you just showed earlier with Ant. Like he's going to be double team now all the time, and he's going to get really frustrated. But if he knows he can trust Carl yeah. to kind of give him that space, all right. Glass half full, glass half empty. You hate to see this, mm-hmm. right? Like I, this is I was I've been watching all these games too. You and I've been nerding out. It was a day before this game that I think Germany had a bunch of guys get tossed. Like the, the, the whistle was really weird. I think Daniel Tice followed out in the third quarter. Like that right there, doing the technical foul thing. We just have to stop that. And I don't want to pick on him. I'm, I'm going to pick on Rudy like crazy in a second here. But we just don't need that. You don't need that sort of extracurricular stuff. Like that waving off a ref, that's an automatic tech in any league. That's an automatic tech in like YMCA basketball league. So you would... I think the the shooting threes from 35 feet is much more difficult to like be good at. I think controlling your emotions is something that you can probably rein in a lot quicker, but it's something they got to do, man. Like not everyone's getting tossed from these FIBA games, right? It's like one of the guys who has led the league in fouls or been in foul trouble his whole career. You just don't need that type of stuff there, especially if you got one, right? Like don't, don't do the little wave off again when you know, again, you just led your team to an upset over Canada. You're in a game against Spain, who is a powerhouse even still. Yeah, they might have beat him if he didn't get ejected in this game. It's 69 to 63 Spain when, when Carl gets ejected from this game. 
I mean, and he's the only one that control it, man. Like he, he is still, I'm pro Carl. I'm buying the stock. He's an all NBA type guy. That's just coming off a bad year, but this is for as online as I know he is. This is the type of stuff that just feeds the narrative of people not wanting you on their team. You just got to be, you got to be bigger than this. You got to be above that type of stuff. Just kill them in silence, run back down court. You don't need this stuff. End rank. And I, I mean, I think some people kind of saw this to be like a weak second tech where which it is. Like, That's fine. I, yeah. I, I would say it is too, but that cause the Dominican didn't play for a while. Um, there, there'd been, I'd watched like 10, 15 other world cup games and, or the exhibition games of it. And there's just a higher respect for the game in this. There's the international, like th this sounds, I don't know, stupid, but like, in this, when somebody falls over from the other team, like the guy from the other team, like helps him up. It's not like to clear out of the way and wait for another teammate to run over. There's just like a different, it's super competitive, but it's like a different like respect vibe. And that was the first thing I thought of when I saw Carl doing this and mocking the ref, with the technical signal is mm. I hadn't seen, I'd watched a bunch of the other games and yeah, it seemed like frustration. I watched, France and uh, Australia play and those teams like fought like numerous times. There's a lot of blood, um, but <laughs> it was like, I, I don't know. I, I was obviously there's frustrations with Carl of fouls and technicals throughout his career, but I thought about watching that of like that, that wasn't good respect for the game, Carl. And, and, you know, and I'm sure he's looking at it after the fact and realizing that too, but, these are just the things that need to be rewired in him. And by them continuing to show up, you know, eight, nine years into his career, it makes people wonder if that even can be rewired. And uh, that's just on him at, at this point, because yeah, like you said, I mean, these are, these are competitive games. You got ejected from the game. You're your team's best player far and away. You're within six to Spain. Like you beat Canada, who entered World Cup as like the second best chance to win it behind the US. And then I think Spain was like third or fourth in it. Like they could have beat Spain here too. And they didn't because because Carl got ejected from the game. And I don't know. It, these are just the things that you you cross your fingers and you hope are not a part of what defines this season this year. Not and not all technicals are created equal no matter what anyone says. Like if you if you go dunk on a guy to lead a 12-0 run and you come back from something and now you're up six, like, and you flex on a guy, or like when Ant has literally murdered a couple people on the court, like just stand, I'm okay. Let's have a little fun, like stand over them, get a technical foul, whatever, right? It's like a big touchdown. You can gritty. That's cool. But this is not that. This is like the other side of the technical spectrum where it's like you're complaining about things in moments that, Again, if you if you can celebrate a touchdown, you know you're clear and you got to, you know, whatever kickoff from the 50, that's fine. But in a game that like every point matters, you can't not only give up a free point or free two points, you can't remove yourself from the game. Mm -hmm. And that's what that one actually did kind of sting a little bit is because you got yourself, you let your team down as, as mm -hmm. old school as that sounds like you let your team down by getting removed from that game and then you lost it. And we've seen that before at the NBA level. Mm -hmm. And it, I think you worded it really well, like rewiring, like, can you rewire 
yourself now as a proven, you've made a quarter or a half billion dollars. You've had some of the accolades. Like now all it is for your brand and the way people talk about you is winning. And the only way you win is if you're on the court doing things that lead to winning and getting technical fouls in an exhibition is not leading to winning. Yeah. He often refers to it as adversity when we when we talk to him after the game. And I mean, it's like, seriously, like he, he believes this is necessary adversity that he needs to overcome in the refs, the refs being that adversity. And I think the adversity is himself and is thus far inability to consistently overcome that yeah and have that control do that rewiring um i mean i'm gonna go into the season open-minded that he can and that you know more team success yada 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 will uh lead that to be the case but he's um he's got to prove it uh all right let's move over to rudy gobert i just i mean we just kind of talk about Rudy. here's just a few clips of what, what stood out to me watching france play is they're very like picture tim duncan manu ginobili Tony Parker Spurs like they're just this super structured team like heavy play call but it flows pretty well and I just I, I love watching France play and it's so like effectively highlights Rudy like that's nasty right there you know I mean the the their ability to be able to find him he's going up against Vucevic right now that's an NBA center obviously they just find him effectively through structure and I think it's such an interesting like task for Chris Finch to find this balance between structure that benefits Rudy and maybe some other people on the team too, like Conley Anderson, I would say even Jaden can benefit from structure while also keeping some of that flow that allows, you know, Ant to do the things that, that he does best and, and those sort of things. Can Finch effectively thread that needle? of structure and flow because I just feel very strongly that by turning up the structure dial, you are going to turn up the Rudy production and efficiency and, and all those sort of things. Because once you start trying to find him within the semblance of like a semi broken play, he's just not as, as effective. So that's what I'm going to be tracking with Finch early on is what does structure look like and mean for this team? And to tie it all back again to the head of the snake, the franchise player, I think you're learning. I don't know if I knew that Ant could play in a super structured offense four weeks ago, right? He seemed like the type of guy that's like, just roll the ball out there, you know, pick up league type stuff and just let him cook. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Team USA has some structure to what they're doing as well. And you're having him figure it out in real time. Now spin it back to Rudy. Rudy Gobert is like, I mean, his accolades are what they are. Like, he's going to make the Basketball Hall of Fame. I know that was a topic earlier this week, but he is a Hall of Famer when he's in structure. But he is low on the totem pole of, like, JaVel McGee in a pickup setting. So you have to find, and I think, I don't, I guess this is the question for you in terms of some criticism. I'm very pro-Finch, but I think a lot of times last season, you specifically were frustrated by being like, they need a little more structure. They need yeah. a little more, like, time out here, run a set play. It can't just all they be... did. Finch said so afterwards. I think it was just difficult to find what that structure was, and it was more difficult to implement structure when D'Angelo Russell and Anthony, and early season Anthony Edwards 
were your primary initiators. That's not their ethos as as ball handlers. I think you saw more structure once Mike Conley came in. I think you, I I think with fin, to give Finch a little bit of an out, like maybe he couldn't have done that much structure with the roster he had. But that doesn't mean Rudy didn't need it. And this year you got Conley. You got a guy who can run, initiate a structured offense. I think Ant, as I think Team USA is a good reference there, can probably do more of that this year. Like it needs to be that because here's a possession from the France game that shows that kind of desperation of trying to feed Rudy in the post. Like that ain't it. Like we know we saw that. I think it's actually encouraging to see that France, these guys who know him as well as anybody are doing this kind of like forcing him the ball sort of thing. Like, I think there's this, they feel they need to give Rudy touches because he's such an, you know, integral part of the defense. So you got to like, got to give him a touch. We got to reward him. And I actually like this France play is bad and they don't get him the ball, but it was a reminder to me that even these guys who know Throw it right there. Oh my God. But but see, that's the thing. And on the YouTube channel, you can see this, like this Nando DiColo, like, he would have thrown this to him, but he fumbles it right there. Oh, okay. Like so, but but then they're like, "Oh fuck, we missed Rudy here. Now we need to we need to find him." And then this this just isn't it. Like, what's the best case scenario at that point? Something happens to Gobert teammates where they get tunnel vision of like, this is a possession to get Rudy a touch. We need to do that, and that mentality is dangerous, man. You like it needs to be. Find it when it's there and not over pursue it when it isn't because those over pursuit situations are like, if he's not diving the basket, if it's not a lob, if it's not in the flow, like a straight Rudy post up is not going to get you what they seem to think it is. And I just think it's just easy to be like, you know, Nicole, he missed him here, right? Like, my bad. I missed you. Like, let's just get back in the offense and go again. We still have. 15 seconds on the shot clock. Like, let's see if we find Rudy again naturally or somebody else does it like that. That can happen. And that speaking of rewiring, I think is something that that Wolves or any teammate of Gobert needs to do with him is not feel that need and demand, even if he's kind of like complaining to you afterwards, like, be like, trust me, Rudy, I'm going to get you when it makes sense, because when it makes sense with Rudy Gobert, he that's when it's like that 75% true shooting percentage. When it doesn't make sense with Rudy, it is a bad shot. It is a bad move to get him the ball. I think figuring that out is is super important, and I was reminded of that watching him play for France. All right, let's take a 20-second timeout from FIBA stuff for a second and go, this is bigger picture again, and this is at some point as a, as a society and a civilization, we just need to get over the Rudy Gobert trade because I still think he's a really good player. And I think most of the guys that gave up now who are all on minimum contracts, uh, like, and the Wolves probably don't make the playoffs without Rudy last year, even though hindsight does Carl get injured, blah, blah, blah. My one concern still that I think will be a concern as long as Rudy is on the team is I know we just went hard on rewiring cat's brain. And now it's like the, the teammates of Rudy need to be rewired as well and know that like there's other options on the court. But this is like my concern about Rudy specifically versus Walker Kessler is like Walker Kessler is just happy to be there. He is just happy to be on the team bus, right? Rudy Gobert at some point needs, this goes back to like that first day of training camp, 
Finch just needs to pull him into that big movie theater they have at their practice facility and show him all the stuff of like, this is why you're a Hall of Famer because you protect the rim like no one else. You see all the coverage stuff. You're such a great help defender. You set massive screens, hashtag screen assist, like all that stuff. And then just show him like three minutes of him getting the ball with his back to the basket. And like, hey man, you just don't got it, right? Like, it's like you and I running the YouTube page. Like, we don't got it. Like, let's do other stuff that we're good at. And that, like he, Rudy Gobert was catered to in that first season so much. And you didn't know what Ant was a year ago. I mean, you did to an extent. He had popped a little bit. He had shown some playoff chops. Let's not kid ourselves that like, we didn't, we hoped for this, but we didn't know if this was still in there. And God forbid, there might even be more levels to that. So I'm okay with it. But now it's like, that's done. Like you had your year trying to figure it out. This is all about that 22 year old again. And Rudy, like you can't be the thing that drives me the most crazy. You can't show up your teammates, right? Like maybe France was trying to feed him the ball in that one clip you should, you showed because at the end of the day, it's still like DNP, Evan Fournier and old Nick Batum. Like they might've thought we need a basket here. Maybe Rudy is still our best offensive weapon in a, in a FIBA setting. Like, you know, whatever. Rudy Gobert is always the fifth best option on offense for the Wolves. So having him at any point get the ball in a post-up situation yeah, is almost a turnover. A dive, a lob, like yeah. those sort of things, great. You know, that is not the fifth And option. so that, that's the thing I worry about is I think, again, it's the deal is done. What's done is done. I think Rudy Gobert is still a really good player. And he does look, I don't know about you, but I think he looks more spry than yeah. he did about a year ago when we watched him in Vegas and kind of that preseason stuff. So that would be good. You'd hope that maybe last year was a down year, partly due to just, I don't know, tired knees, tired legs. And then he'll somehow fix that, even though he's playing in more European basketball again. But that's my concern is that Walker Kester, I think, would have been, had no problem just being a guy behind Ant. And Rudy needs to know now, too, like, Jaron Jackson's getting touches. He's getting opportunities. He's getting rebounds. He's getting lobs. He's getting, like, he's cutting. He's still getting the ball. But he knows, like, when it's nut crunch time, it's Ant. And he's going to do it. I might just, the best thing I can do right now might just be to set a screen for him. So that's part of the rewiring that this entire franchise from, you know, Glenn Taylor all the way down to the ball boys is like rewiring of who is in the pecking order because you can't have that one France play as minor as it was that you tweeted out. That was like so concerning to me. That can never happen for the Wolves ever, ever. It can never be an option for them because it's like a turnover. Well, and it was also in that game, kind of like the, the game Carl got ejected from was close. That was 68-64, a game against Australia. It was a really competitive game, and there was like two minutes left in the game, and that was a zero possession, and they went on to lose that game. Like this, it, it seems like you're nitpicking, but when the margins are thin, like the margins are thin, and, you know, it's not just Rudy. It's the teammates and it's the coaching being able to effectively navigate uh, those margins and the hope is with the wolves that you know with a, a year under their belt they're able to do that uh, a little bit better let's grab uh, our our second ad break here and we'll be back we'll rip through uh Nikhil, kyle garza i don't want to show some spagnolo highlights so i'm oddly excited about that part but back with kyle here in a minute Today's show is brought to you by NBA 2K Mobile, and I'm really excited to be partnering with NBA 2K Mobile because, honestly, I think it was playing NBA 2K back in the day that really helped me fall in love with the NBA as a whole. Playing 2K made it so I became familiar with all 30 teams and not just the Wolves. NBA 2K Mobile's free and downloadable mobile app is a way we can tap back into that love for the game for the whole league 
and get us ready for the 2023-24 season. I mean, honestly, it's wild to me how easy it is to download and be playing a top-notch version of 2K in a matter of minutes. From multiplayer matchups to my player, NBA 2K Mobile has numerous ways to play that keep the game fresh and exciting, obviously, all with the convenience of being able to play NBA 2K Mobile on the go. NBA 2K Mobile is the mobile game for real basketball fans that always has something new to explore. Download NBA 2K Mobile free on the App Store or Google Play and use my promo code TATUM2KMOBILE to redeem an exclusive Jason Tatum Pearl Tier card. That's code T-A-T-U-M-2-K-M-O-B-I-L-E on the NBA 2K Mobile app. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Kyle. I think Kyle Anderson is the next best Wolves player um, that's playing in in FIBA play, but Nikhil Alexander-Walker is the one that has stood out to me a lot more. I've been pretty interested in in watching him play in the you're kind of seeing him in in this FIBA play. He's kind of plays like one through the three. Like sometimes he initiates, sometimes he's in the corner. Uh, but the real thing I've been watching is him shooting a lot of threes in these games. And and I, you kind of like going back and watching. I'm like, why is he getting so many threes? And it's because he's not just taking catch and shoot threes in this anymore. I mean, right here, like these clips playing now are are catch and shoot threes, which are things like we feel pretty confident about him being able to do at like, you know, a, a league average level. I think we've saw him grow as a shooter. Looks like maybe his mechanics are tweaked a little bit, a um, little bit more under control. Like I feel confident about Nikhil Alexander Walker, the catch and shoot shooter, but we know there's like a limited volume of those available for anyone. Right. And the question becomes, can he take other threes that aren't just straight open catch and shoot threes. Can they be, here's another catch and shoot from the corner right there. He hits, they kind of started. And this, this is the play I wanted to show. Like they started kind of like JJ Redicking him with like some pin downs and stuff. Oh God. And I'm like, all right, man, like 
this ain't it. Like, I don't think that's the shooter that he is. That was an air ball right there. Like that, that's not, that's not where you get it. You're not running pin downs for him, design plays to get him threes. But another type of movement is self like movement with the ball. And I like what I've seen from Nikhil in his ability to grab, kind of go and run in, dribble into a three. Like, I love this right here. Like, that's how he boosts. That's the best three-pointer he's ever taken in terms of shot form. Right. And then this play is kind of nasty. It's the same thing. It's like in transition, we're going in a run in three, and he kind of gives Sergio Ludo whoop right here. And into it. like, that's that's how I think those type of plays are the ways in which he can shoot more of these, you know, shoot more threes, more than just catch and shoot shots. And in the context of the Wolves offense, like, I think this is how he uh, expands his role. So while he's not going to be your traditional running off of, you know, off ball screens, I don't think that's the type of shooter he is. Just kind of, I don't think his mechanics allow him to do it. I think his mechanics allow him to take these step in, run in threes. And it's why I'm kind of optimistic about what Nikhil Alexander-Walker uh, can be as as a shooter for this team this year. I think he's going to be an awesome starting point guard for the Pacers in a couple of years when they trade for Halliburton, who has become Ant's best friend. Uh, no, I, I I would make an argument that as much as I wanted to see Carl playing this, just like how are you physically? Because we mm-hmm. you weren't 100% when you came back after your injury. Nikhil's the one that has the greatest volatility, right? Of like, at a bare minimum, you're going to be that guy in the, Denver Nuggets series that just hounds Jamal Murray and yeah, makes given, his right? life tough. Oh, as I kind of have said, like a, a literally a condensed watered down version of Jade because they kind of are built the same. I mean, he's obviously a guard, but he's just long and gangly. And you know who I think he's like, man. And people are going to be like, what? I don't like this comp because I don't like him as a person. I'm watching him play for Canada. And I think he has a weirdly similar game. Dylan to Dylan Brooks. Oh, Dylan Brooks. Okay. I thought you said some, someone we don't like. Uh, Dylan Brooks. Okay. Dylan Brooks is a little thicker though. So why, why that? But, but it's not, but it's just like you, like Dylan Brooks is going to take those step in threes. He's okay. going okay. and he's going to come in and pull like a mid range shot, get all the way to the basket while his bread and butter is the like in your grill defender, like no space, whatever. I, I was just watching like Canada has like a can put out like a, Pretty kind of a awesome nasty team, yeah. Defensive lineup. I actually don't think Canada's overall good in this. But I was like watching him play, and they had like Dort, uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, and Dylan Brooks all on the floor at the same time. Like that is a that's a hell of a perimeter defensive wall. But I I don't know. I I know Dylan Brooks and Nikhil Alexander Walker look nothing alike, and their personalities are even more different than they don't look alike. But that was just a thought I had watching Canada play. Like, there's there's some similarities there, and with Nikhil maybe being a little like definitely being lower usage than Brooks is, but having some of that ability to do a little bit off the bounce uh, offensively, while still not being like an awesome shooter. But I don't know. I I, I think there's Nikhil has more layers to his game that I think could potentially be developed than just being what he was in the Denver series, which was an awesome on ball defender and a guy who sprinted to the corner. Like he can do that. And that's a three and D right. That's a three and D role player. Like, I think he can be that guy. The question I have is, can he be more? And I think given his ball skills 
and his ability to kind of dribble in to shots, that is that's something I think he can bring that maybe we're not uh, really expecting here. Anthony Edwards has played more games in the NBA than Nikhil Alexander Walker. Yeah. Like I you know, just like in oh, terms of in terms of thinking back to the trade deadline and what was I a pretty pivotal move, right? To to get not only your starting point guard for now, Mike Conley, but this other kind of guy that's just been due to injuries and bouncing around to a couple of teams just maybe just hasn't popped. I mean, I know he's like 24 now, but that's still young. I think at this point, if a lottery pick or a high first round pick hasn't blossomed by 24, we're just kind of out on them. But as we kind of get into season preview stuff, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is like one of the five most intriguing aspects of this team because, I mean, can he run second unit? Can he play alongside Ant in like an Austin Reeves type of role, right? Like Austin Reeves is way nastier offensively and a better shooter, but Nikhil can do a lot of the stuff that Austin can do mm-hmm. defensively. And that's when you lean into yeah. point Ant and you have Nikhil next to him. Some of the rebounds he's gotten in these exhibition games, he's just way more athletic than I kind of remember. And then, yeah, some of those corner threes that you highlighted earlier in those clips, those were those threes he was hitting against Denver, right? right. Like when I think he maybe airballed one or missed one, he had the confidence a couple possessions later to take another one and he hit it and it was kind of a pivotal moment in that game. So seeing him kind of have the space to do some creative things for Canada uh, is another reason why this whole FIBA thing has been really awesome because I, I've talked to you about this in the summer, right? Like the point guard depth is still a concern sure. because Minnesota Mike is a legend already, but I just think even if he's available, you should only play him 60 games because you want him for hopefully April and maybe God forbid may who's going to fill that backup role. It's got to be probably more than just a Jordan McLaughlin. And I think Nikhil is showing you that like he can probably step in and fill that role. And it's not as bad as you think for depth. And at least like in tandem with Ant, like, is there a way to, finagle the rotation so that when Nikhil is the quote-unquote point guard out there, Ant is also out there and then actually taking on maybe the majority of the initiation. But I'm with that too. Yeah, I think I would recommend like, I mean, everyone's going to try and watch Ant. That's a Wolves fan. But I think Canada like bang for your buck intrigue from an NBA Wolves perspective. You get a bunch of Canadian NBA players and then Nikhil plays a lot for them or at least has in the exhibition games and and you get to see him do a little bit more than you've probably ever seen him do because he wasn't allowed to do a lot of stuff for uh for the wolves last year and then i again i think france is fun man i think they might win it i think they might beat uh the the u.s but that can you is- imagine if anthony edwards has a similar dunk on rudy gobert like he did in that game the other day against germany like that will yeah. That could, that could uh, just, I'll put a pin in that. That could cause some, some interesting <laughs> moments in the locker room. Uh, all right, let's uh, rip through uh, Anderson, Garza, and Spagnolo here quickly. Um, here, Anderson, this has been the one that's been tough. China's just not very good, and Anderson is like their best player. Like, just, just watch these. Everything looks so difficult for Anderson because they just, like... <laughs> <laughs> Almost died. Just, I'm not they, laughing, but I'm laughing. They, they, I mean, that was a good, that was a good pass. Like it, it worked, but it is just like it's weird post ups for Anderson all the time, and they like it's just doubled in the post. It's just impossible for for Kyle to do anything because he just has so little 
uh, around them. They have like a, they got like a seven two center on their team, and so they're like try and run some of those like r- like Kyle the Rudy sort of things, and it's like it's kind of like a high low type thing that they try to do. It just doesn't it doesn't work. China is a little bit uh, of a tough watch, but it is cool. Like Kyle is pretty heavily focused on for that team because he's their best player. Uh, weirdly comes off the bench. I don't know if that's like a, I, I don't know what that's about. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't have much on Kyle Anderson, but he is playing there as well. And if you do turn on um, a China game, like you're going to see plenty of Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson reminded me, cause I watched one of those games. Cause you kind of flagged it for me that, he reminded me of why I'm actually sometimes okay when star players on really bad teams demand a trade because as much as we're like basketball is beautiful and there's so much respect for the international game and look at these sets that France runs. It's like basketball porn. And then it's like, watch China. It's just like, that's what I imagine being like a college stud and then going back and playing pickup is like Mm -hmm. just triple teamed every time. And you can't rely on any of your teammates. So I did, I I did, someone did tell me that like for Kyle, because I think a lot of people are like, why is he, doing this china thing it sounds like it means the absolute world to him and he had to go through a lot of hoops like in terms of citizenship to play for china so i think he knew what he was biting off when he kind of went for that knowing he's not gonna be playing with really like any nba caliber teammates but for him and his family and his kind of lineage i've it's i've been told that it's very very important for him so you're probably not going to get as much out of that as any of these other guys but i think it is cool that he is playing at an international level and trying to represent a country that means a lot to him. Right. Um, the next up, here I we go, baby. Luca, Luca Garza, who isn't playing um, in the world cup. This was like an Olympic qualifier that Bosnia and Herzegovina were uh, playing in over, over August. But I, there's like six, seven games out there that uh, Garza played in. What was just interesting to me is I, these clips here are, Garza playing with Nurkic, yep, which yep. which happened a lot. And obviously, I mean, I don't anticipate Luca being in the rotation at all. But if that comes at some point this season, it will be next to at least a Cat or Nas, right? Like he's gonna have to play alongside another big. And I just, you know, I I think it was encouraging and good reps here. I actually want to show this one too. Um, that. He got a lot of ample, or he got ample opportunity here to play next to a true NBA center in, in Yusuf Nurkic. And like the spacing wasn't that funky. Like they can both kind of shoot the three. I Loki think like Garza really can shoot it. Um, I was like thinking to myself, like, who do I think is a better shooter between Luca Garza and Nas Reed? Like if it just went like empty gym three point contest, I think Luca Garza would maybe beat Nas Reed just in, in a three point contest. Uh, but anyways, I thought it was interesting to see him playing next to a big. And then also you can kind of see in these clips, he's just way thinner. And this one I put in here just to show him running the floor. I mean, it's still not pretty. That's faster than it has been before. I think, you know, cutting, continuing to cut weight. I mean, he's, I want to ask him how much he's cut since Iowa. Cause I would imagine it's 25. I mean, it's kind of like a nonce thing there too, where he's, shed uh, a bunch of weight over the the time that he's been in the league to kind of become more of a big who can play alongside another big or move a little bit quicker to, I mean, that's always going to be his biggest weakness, but um, I don't know. I, I found Garza to be interesting, even though it's just a two-way player for the Wolves. 
He's like when Kevin Love got a girlfriend and like started taking like care of like his body and like getting leaner and drinking more wine and stuff because you're running some of the same clips here, but his shot looks really good mm -hmm. for a guy that, again, we didn't really, you know, watch him play and has almost been kind of anecdotal to this roster. Yeah. Uh, but also too, like he is not Nas Reed in terms of athleticism, uh, literally just, he's not like a, right. he's not a vertical guy, but he does such a good job of like sealing off his guy getting offensive rebounds uh huge offensive rebound. that that's a good point to bring up like he's thinner and whatever but he is still an absolute force on the inside offensive rebounding wise like and you know maybe we need to see that against nba competition you know he's kind of playing against some more random guys in this but i i don't think like losing 20 pounds is going to cost luca garza what he's best at uh, as a basketball player, which is the space he can create around the basket and the offensive rebounds he can get there. Like, I, I, I think that can exist while he gets, you know, faster. And I mean, sometimes you're watching him play in these games and I'm, I'm not kidding you. It's like every time Bosnia misses a shot, he might not get the offensive rebound, but he like tips it. Like he's one of those players kind of like Valanciunas or like Valanciunas is like the peak of this, who it's like, all right, they have a lot of speed flaws and stuff like that, but at some point, the offensive rebounding begins to balance that out. Like maybe you're costing your team some points defensively, but how many additional possessions are you generating with offensive rebounds? You watch Garza play, particularly in this context, again, lower level of play, or if you watch him play in the G League last year, you go, and I almost just want to see him play a couple of games, 25 minutes, whatever to see what type of force he is inside because in snippets it looks like it could be like a Valanchunas type of player offensive rebounding and forceful underneath the basket again compliments to him and his like training I mean he's been I know he's kind of befriended Rudy and he was traveling with Rudy earlier this summer and like working out with him and Rudy for his flaws is like never not taking care of his body um, so there's just an ab challenge there with those two guys, but he's not losing anything on the court by losing physical weight off of it. And I think again, his footwork, like that's the thing that I, if you put one word onto all these FIBA guys who are watching his footwork is like, yeah. he just is really, really skilled around the basket. And I think because we didn't get to watch a lot of them, the consensus has been, or the debate has been through like, I guess like Wolf's Twitter would be, is he an NBA guy, right? Cause you guys can dominate the G league, but, still struggle uh, to play in the league. But I think Luca Garza is actually benefiting from the fact of like, if he would have come in five years ago, maybe six years ago, I don't think he would have made it because there was like such an emphasis on five out and he can shoot, but like small ball. Mm -hmm. I think he can do a little now, like as the league is now embracing bigger lineups again and bigger front courts. I don't know how he's going to play barring any injury when you have Rudy and Carl and Nas and all that money. But, you know, tip of the cap as minor as it is to Tim Conley for keeping him around because mm -hmm. it's another guy that you've kind of developed. And depending on how this roster looks 12 months from now, he might be a key bench piece for this team. And he's showing that he continues to get better, which is kind of all you want from a guy that doesn't play much in the league, but has a lot of skill that he can give to a team. Yeah, I, I, I personally think he is an NBA player. Like maybe a end of the bench at best, mm -hmm. like fringe rotation 
type of guy. Um, but like, that's cool on a two way for me. Like when we were talking it. about that with Brandon Williams, like we're like, Oh yeah, this guy's super small. And like, he'd never be able to, he was on the summer league team for the wolves. Like, why would they, why would they get a guy who like, wouldn't be able to play in the playoffs? I'm like, it's a two way player. You're not looking for somebody who can contribute for the playoffs. You're looking for a player on a two way that if something happens to the starter or the backup at that position, then they can be reliably plugged in for a week or two to a bit role. And I think with Luca Garza, as far as two-way players go, like I'm confident about that in him. That's not huge praise. That's just saying he's a good two-way player. But like, let's see how this continues to develop. I'm I'm very interested because be a restricted free agent again next season, coming off the two-way. Like maybe he is. Maybe you don't have Cat Rudy and Nas next year. I bet you don't. I assume you don't have all three of them. Can he be that third guy? I mean, he has to have a good year. He has to continue to develop. The lost weight needs to lead to more foot speed. Like, there's questions there. But I, I do think he's a roster player uh, in, in the NBA who's on a two-way. This, this sounds mean, but it's not. It's just what you want from that end of the bench might never play two-way guy. He's better than Nate Knight. Because when Nate oh. would come in, Nate was really hunting his own stuff. And I think Luca Garza, even in a garbage time situation, is still going to come in and like offensive rebounds or set good screens. He might not score, but he's kind of the prototypical guy you write you want right now in terms of break glass in case of emergency. You have a guy that you can trust that's going right. to you know be able to do the fundamental stuff to to keep that's the all we're ship afloat. Yep, that's all we're saying. Right now, I'm not now. Let's get into the star power. Let's do it. Let's yeah, end on. No, I just on I, I had to put Spagnolo in here, and honestly, I haven't watched a bunch of like their full games or anything, but I've just been like going through his clips. And I will preempt this with having watched Mateo Spagnolo at Summer League, not this year, but the year before playing yeah. for, the, for the Wolves. I was like, 0% chance this guy is an NBA player. Zero. And I mean, because I was like, he looked undersized. He wasn't a real shooter. Like, he had like a good three point percentage uh, overseas, but he was not shooting or he didn't really take that many over there. It's not like, your typical white dude shooter at all. And I was like, I do not understand what this player is. I, I didn't know what the things to be intrigued with him are, but just watch this like 60 seconds. I no, mean, I it's will. just fun. Like, I, I mean, the, the passing is, as you just saw on, on that clip right there. I mean, and he looks big. I mean, I don't know, like a little grainy footage of FIBA here, but he's for sure bigger. I would say thicker and taller and, you know, more of a capable looking jump shot. Like we're seeing there. And to be fair, these are just threes. I'm only showing plays where the ball goes in the basket. But I mean, I've changed my mind. I think there's a chance that this is an NBA player and he's going to be playing uh, in EuroLeague this next season like at basically the highest level he can be playing overseas and then there's this possibility that's a dime um that he's on this wolves team you know a year from now you talk about the need for backup point guard down the line like i'm not saying that it's a 50 percent chance that it's him but i have changed my mind from zero percent chance to like this is maybe an NBA player uh, here too, who kind of fits a need. Oh yeah, they, these two players are sick right here. Look at this. 
this this pass to the corner. Great for the audio. Nasty. Only. Right here. Look at that. Huh. Well, go on YouTube. Watch it. The, the Italian. Listen again. The, the the Italian stallion is. As I know, I just said that Luca Garza is better than Nate Knight. I and I know we're just comping all the white guys right now, but look at this dunk. Oh. He's he's better, and he is flashed. And you texted me this, I think, the other day. He's showing more in on this level than like Balmero did, right? And oh, I'm not just trying true. to comp international foreign white guys, but the Balmero thing is also like he was the third pick in that collection of Aunt Jaden and then Balmero, right? Spagnolo was kind of that, that third yeah. pick in because when was he drafted? Two years ago, fiftieth. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, my brain just completely froze as yeah, they're just yeah. blowing up buildings in front of my uh my place here. So he's just I I understand if Wolves fans are like, well, he hasn't come over yet. He didn't play in the summer league, which was pretty a bummer because it, it wasn't like we don't he really. Hurt. Yeah, it was like a back or hernia type thing. But, I I forgot what it but was. But then soon after, I mean, he was practicing with him. He was around, and then yeah. after he signed, a, like you had said too, like a good deal with a big team, which I think you've probably heard the same I, I think there are nba outs in that contract i always think of the rubio thing it's like okay if yep. you sign an international contract do you have outs i feel like all these guys now have outs in their contract to to escape and get to the nba but he's another one that's like i don't i'm still actually going to be pessimistic and be like i gotta see it at the nba level but just having another guy down the road who is going to be a cheap asset for your team as we're six, seven, eight, nine months away from talking only about the salary cap. That's a big deal because you need guys like this to be able to contribute for cheap. You need the Leonard Millers of the world to be able to contribute contribute for cheap. So I think he's look great for Italy. And they're they're a real kind of they're not a tier one force in this FIBA thing, but they're We're they're on though, right? Like that's all I'm saying is, you know, if you're sitting around in August, September here, like this is right before football season starts, and like. You're like me, and you're not watching baseball. Like, I, I, <laughs> man, like, I, I think, I think, uh, all these guys, every single one that we went through, and unfortunately, Garza is not playing in it. But like, again, what I like about FIBA play is seeing all of these players play in a different but bigger role than they normally play in in the NBA, and that I think, if you're nerdy like us, can be like super instructive in you know kind of honing your opinion for better or worse i mean i think we highlighted i mean we're pretty glass half full with all of that but like even with kyle anderson you're like all right kyle anderson's probably what he is for the wolves that's about what it is like he doesn't need to be a top three player on a team like five or six is is fine but it's instructive and watching this stuff i don't know i've i've enjoyed it in a dead time and i appreciate you humoring me to hop six, on here and... six four without shoes, 198 pounds. Spagnol, yeah. So I mean, we can we can get him up. Just give him a week of eating in the Midwest, and he'll fatten right up, just like I always do. But uh, six four without shoes. I mean, that's a that's a nice size guard. Who again, when you when you draft these kind of Euro stashes, if they don't come over and contribute right away or, or play in like some sort of summer league performance, you kind of just forget about him. So he's a real thing. They have his rights. It'll be interesting to see him play. I'm sure we'll, there's some Wolves fan that's going to be recording and watching all of his games, which I love. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on him. And yeah. this is kind of the last free opportunity we're going to get to watch him, right? Because these FIBA games are usually on TV. It's when he goes to play for Europe that we're not going to be able to, we'll have to really try yeah. to find him. But mm -hmm. 
you get a couple weeks of the Italian stallions. So enjoy that uh, along with all the other main main cogs of this wolves thing. You got anything else? I think that's it. I mean, we went a little bit longer than. What do you think I of the jerseys? You were gone that weekend. I was. I flew back. Uh, Michael Grady and I went to a Young Gravy concert. It was about as weird as we all thought it would be. But uh, what do you think about the jerseys? Don't like them. Okay. That's I fair. mean, but I, I'm fair. not like. I don't know. It's not a big thing that that I care about. I just. I don't know. I. It's just it's a little too basic for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't, and, and so like, what am I even saying here? Of like, oh, I don't like it. I don't have a suggestion for what it is. Um, I'd really like Anthony Edwards to design the city uniform for next season. Like, just thirsty and in, just big. I don't Helvetica know. Across the just chest. Get him, get him in the room and like. We, we do the, and I get it, like the point of the city jersey, right, is to represent Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the culture of Minnesota. I would be more interested in representing the culture of the players and how they see that overlapping uh, with Minnesota. And I think that's a lot easier said than done. I mean, I don't think they're like an eyesore. Like, they're way better than those lime green ones, I thought. Um, but it's not like, you know, you're kind of like waiting out for it. You're like, you, you're hoping to open up the email and see it for the first time being like, oh, that's dope. Like, I didn't I would have, have loved to have also seen them the first time ever, not on Young Gravy. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe someone else debuted him. Like Nas Reed, just like Hulk Hogan in his shirt and there's his jersey. But uh, I, I, I think the cool part is that I was pretty anti the ones last year. And last year, if you would have given that jersey, the city jersey, the kid picks ones, you would have been like, I need you to explain this to me. This you can at least look yeah. at like that's water. It says land of ten thousand lakes. Uh so I think brilliant idea. Like I like the the ones from last year more than these, actually. And also too, like, like the bar it, is set with those Prince jerseys. No one will ever beat that. Yeah. Um, and I'm still hopeful that maybe the Wolves will have one more jersey to debut this like a maybe like a hardwood classic. But yeah, at some point this, you know, and you can't just make every jersey trees. By the way, you can just have the tree stuff on every single jersey. But I, I do hope that at some point when this ownership, I tweeted this other day, but when this ownership thing wraps up, hopefully in a couple months, and it's kind of a new face of the franchise at that you know C-suite level, that you bring Kevin Garnett back in, you have this other kid who is probably the most hope you've had since Kevin Garnett left, and that you embrace some of those. I mean, the Wolves don't have a lot. Yeah, Kevin Garnett can go into the room with Ant with the colored pencils to draw the the new city uniform. Those two, that's 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 awesome. a track the pack right there. Just Ant and, <laughs> Ant and KG just drawing up jerseys. So no, I, I I wanted to get your opinion on that. I'm sure we'll the schedule stuff to me. I was like, I don't even know what we talk about that. Like I've seen people do 82 game previews. It's like I don't know. They're yeah. they're gonna play, but uh, I do think we're starting to ramp up again. It's we are less than one month out, mm-hmm. I believe, from like this thing really taken off the wolves will do their media stuff a little earlier this year. Cause they're going again to what Abu Dhabi or whatever. So, yep. uh, be this, this is probably the best off season you can have in a while, right? Like you have a really talented team. We're going to do a ton of previews. we got this YouTube thing. You got FIBA for the next couple of weeks and it's going to be like real deal NBA stuff before we know it. So, uh, enjoy your last couple of weeks of summer, uh, yeah, before it gets cold, uh, at least in the Midwest. And we'll have a lot more of these coming up for sure. 
Um, yeah, I would just, again, say, uh, put it into your mind that these podcasts podcasts exist on, on YouTube as well. I mean, like, personally, I'm not a YouTube podcast watcher, so I, like, get it if it's your thing to listen to the pod on, you know, the treadmill or whatever it might be. Uh, that's totally fine. Like, do that. The, it's just the idea is that we can do some more things here. Um, I'll be able to do some other things on the YouTube channel that are maybe like just film breakdowns that aren't even an episode mm -hmm. that uh, shows up on the podcast feed. But just have that in your mind. Um, yeah, again, just search Dane Moore on YouTube or youtube.com slash at Dane Moore MBA. And then the only other thing, um, I mean, we're still going to be pretty low volume here for the next few weeks uh, with episodes, but keep that uh, Craig Kilborn live show on your mind September 7th. Uh, first day NFL season starting that day. Keep that in your mind. We'll be going at like six o'clock. So, you know, come early. I'll be there setting up five, five thirty. So um love to see you guys out there at Falling Knife. And then again, as I mentioned before, um as we're, you know, soliciting advertisers, Danemore Productions at gmail.com if that's something uh that your company or brand are interested in getting into uh until then he's kyle i'm dane paul kyle at kyle tyge on x i'm at dane moore mba uh yeah until next time it's kyle and dane peace out how i'm feeling man i hope it never stop yeah green it hard so you can find me in the crowd yeah yeah don't let standards ever ever bring you down yeah hope you dancing like nobody else around